We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're looking at the high end of player projections and the range of outcomes tool at the running back position on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. This is Dave Cabin to the owners here at rotoviz.com. Dave, we're going to talk about uh, the range of outcomes tool. I know uh, you did some work earlier in the week on the quarterback position. We're going to tag team the running back position in this episode. <laughs> and just because, you know, I've got that, you know, stay positive wristband on today, we're going to look at the high end outcome. So, you know, best ball drafts are in full swing. We got Sean posting uh, an awesome article on the site today yep. about how to use hyper fragile running back uh, and elite QB to build elite best ball teams. So I think looking at, you know, Hey, who are those guys that could unlock the right type of hyper fragile roster? If you're going to draft less, you better hit the guys that are, you know, the nuts in that given season. Um, so we're going to look at it from that context, but you know, we'll go ahead and, and look at the foundation again briefly of what the range of outcomes tool is, how we believe that it can best be used. You know, I mentioned that we're looking at the high end outcomes. There are also average outcomes and low uh, end outcomes, too. So if you want to, you know, draft based off of, you know, player potential floors, you know, that's another way to go about it, especially if you're building rankings and things like that. But yep. it's way more fun to talk about the explosive seasons, Dave. Well, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and, and I think that one of the things we've talked about in the past too, which is cool that you can use this tool for too, is that upside is more than just saying, okay, if everything went right for this player, it is absolute yeah. best season. What would it look like? And that's one of the pieces of information you can get from this tool. You can get a more realistic view of upside. Uh, now I overviewed a little bit on the episode that would have come out yesterday talking about quarterbacks how this tool is built. Uh, it's slightly different for running backs naturally than it is for quarterbacks. The data goes back 10 years. So you're basically blending uh, the stats that matter in terms of fantasy scoring that will correlate year over year for a player looking at his two most recent seasons, weighting the most recent one as more important computer goes out, does a search, does some math, finds players from seasons past that match that profile of the player you're searching for. You can then look at how those players did in the season subsequent to the season that you were searching for and use those players to approximate a reasonable range of outcomes. So for running backs, we are factoring in uh, rushing related stats and metrics as well as receiving related stats and metrics. Uh, some of the things that do tend to matter more are things that people would expect. Rushing touchdowns play a big part in there. Rushing yards, targets naturally a pretty big component as well. Uh, for running backs, we are also looking at the player's weight. And we're also using uh, fantasy point scoring uh, from the prior seasons too as a way to make sure that we're matching players in with other players that make sense. Now, the note I didn't share the other night, but I should, is 
when I talk about the uh, high end or the low end of these projections, and as we mentioned, they're not really projections, but we're going to call them that. The way that I'm arriving at the 75th percentile projection is not actually by looking at the 75th percentile. I am looking at uh, a couple of players in that range. So we're actually looking at the players that would be, if you're going for the high end, uh, three players above the 75th and three players below the 75th percentile and averaging those out. The reason for this, and a lot of people can lose sight of this, is that when you're talking percentiles, uh, those aren't actually linear. Um, a player that hits the 75th percentile could happen to just be a large step above the player that's at the 74th. So occasionally you could run into an issue where if you just looked at the 75th, you might be overstating or understating things. So by taking that average, you get a little bit better of an idea. So we started to nerd out a little bit there. I'll pause Curtis and you can that's take us back. No, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate the quality check um, so that we're not just looking at a table and assuming, you know, we know, uh, you know, assuming what we know went into the output of that. That's that is actually thoughtful. Yep. And it actually um, I think it relates the percentiles back to the specific matches performance year plus uh, year in plus one tap. So as we go through this conversation, you know, Dave had me take a look. Uh, through these 2023 per game range of outcomes uh, for the running back position. And I, I took a look at some of the names that I thought were pretty interesting based off of, you know, the high volume best ball drafting that I've been doing for months on end, uh, which players I thought maybe stood out as, you know, p potential ADP values or uh, potential ADP traps. Um, and, you know, Dave's going to take us through a little bit of the distribution. And then I'm going to call out some seasons uh, that look a little bit like what we might expect from the players um, based off of our historical database. So I think it's going to be a, a really useful kind of like player sim season type discussion. We're going to hit, I think about a dozen running backs here in rapid fire, two, three minutes a piece. And, you know, we can land on, you know, Hey, do we think this guy's a value or do you think he's a potential value trap at least for the next couple of weeks until ADP changes again? <laughs> All right, Dave. Up first, man, it's King Henry. Yep. Derrick Henry, uh, when, I, when I look at him and I look at the 75th uh, percentile, you know, the tools got Derrick Henry at RB5 um, this year, and his current underdog ADP is RB8. So, you know, a, a, a three-positional, um, I guess a three position positional ADP Delta is pretty big when you're talking, you know, within the first, you know, two to three rounds of the draft. So, you know, Henry could be a potential value uh, here. Take us through what his modeling looks like. And then I'll, I'm going to bring up some of the other big bruisers that uh, made their way into his year in plus one uh, sim table. here. Sure. And the first thing I'll say about Derek Henry is he's one of those players that you feel worried about accurately being able to capture because there's <laughs> yeah. just so few players like him. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah so he's just going to be awesome until he's not, you know, <laughs> right. and every year it will feel risky to say that he's not right. We have not seen a lot of players quite like Derek Henry. Uh, but if you look at the distribution, Naturally, if he's coming in fifth in the historical distribution score, which as I talked about uh, earlier in the week, is uh, this way of kind of capturing that full distribution on uh, allowing us to kind of compare players in a meaningful way without needing to look at their particular graphs. Clearly, if he's coming in well in that, he has a very nice distribution. We do see a couple of large misses for Henry. He does have a couple of players falling down below the five-point range. I think that if you look at who those players are and what we know about Henry, I would kind of remove those uh, as red flags. Really what you're looking at is his largest distribution coming in around 15 points with 12 of his matches in that range, then actually has a higher uh, number of players matching beyond that than below it, has eight players falling around 17 points, still has around um, seven to eight players landing at almost 20 points. Curtis still has players going beyond there, which gives him a high end projection of 22.1 points. 
with an average stat line that expects around 67 yards per game, five rushing touchdowns per game, uh, still getting about two and a half receptions per game we'll, for we'll 20 go, yards. We'll go with a half a half rushing touchdown per game, not five rushing touchdowns. Oh, did I say five? Game. Did I say five? <laughs> hey, That's I mean, fine, man. You That'd never be know. incredible. You never know. I'm, I'm here for it. Sign me up for five Henry <laughs> touchdowns per game. Yes, um, 0.5 touchdowns per game. So overall, a very yeah. nice distribution uh, for Henry. And honestly, that midpoint that we hit with him around 15 points per game, I think feels pretty appropriate. Yeah. And that's for PPR. And, you know, the RB five note that I had here on Henry is for PPR. If we change the settings and the tool over to half PPR, uh, like you would see an underdog, he actually comes out at RB four. So he's actually, you know, RB four versus RB eight in ADP. Um, Again, that that would be the 50th uh, percentile uh, and it's half PPR versus it being, you know, the upside uh, that we're focusing on for this conversation. But, you know, I thought it was worth noting. Now, when I go into the, the matches year in plus one tab, this is going to give us the players who had seasons, uh, who had two prior years very similar to Derrick Henry's 2022 and 2021 seasons. Yep. So what did they do in the follow-up season to that? Uh, that is how we're arriving at Derrick Henry's 2023 uh, range of outcomes. And these are going to be some names that you would expect to see for a player like Henry, we pull in Marshawn Lynch's 2015 season uh, with Seattle. Unfortunately, that was on the back half. Um, you know, that was really on the back half for him um, of his career. He did have a lot of rushing yards uh, that season and um, did a nice job with the rushing touchdowns, was complete zero from a receiving uh, perspective as he typically was throughout his career. We get Ezekiel Elliott's 2018 season, Dalvin Cook's 2022 uh, we even pull in Derrick Henry's 2020. So, you know, he's pulling in seasons older than two years old uh, for himself. Nick Chubb's 2022, Jonathan Taylor's 2022, and uh, the top 10 Sims for uh, this uh, upcoming season for Derrick Henry are uh, 2017 Shady McCoy and 2022 Joe Mixon. You know, when I, when I look down through these players, the absolute lowest output that we see uh, in that follow-up season is 11.8 PPR per game. Uh, we do see three instances of players who average over 21 PPR in that season. So that high end um, that we see for Derrick Henry um, projected at 20, uh, 22.1, very much within within reach. And I mean, and that lines right up with the methodology that you said uh, that you used. You know, we see Derrick Henry's 2021, Ezekiel Elliott's 18, and uh, Derrick Henry's 2020 being the three seasons that inform that. And then right through the middle of the section, you get Joe Mixon at 17, uh, Shady McCoy at 16.6, Nick Chubb at 16. So, I mean, honestly, you know, Henry's just been so great. You know, even if he continues to take a little bit of a step back from an efficiency standpoint and, you know, doesn't doesn't match his 20.1 PPR from 2022 – you know, there's still plenty of reason to believe that he's going to be a 16, 17, 18 type uh, PPR per game player in 2023. So I think, you know, at minimum, you can continue to draft with confidence based off of what we've seen historical Sims do. But you can even argue that, you know, maybe he is like one of the best uh, in half PPR anyway. Maybe he's a great way uh, to, to back into a hero RB squad, you know, he's available at the top of the third round. You start wide receiver, wide receiver, and then follow it up with Derrick Henry, or you go um, with uh, an elite wide receiver in round one. Let's say you have the 101, 102, something like that. You take Jefferson, you take Chase, you get one of those sliding elite quarterbacks at the end of the second round and Hurts or Allen, Mahomes probably typically gone, and then follow it up with Henry. I mean, that's a pretty nice looking squad there in terms of the upside. Yeah, for sure. And Henry is one of those players that I have found myself being able to incorporate into a lot of the roster constructions on my underdog teams this year that I really like, Um, especially for where you're getting him in the draft and that distribution of what I would expect uh, a very useful player this year to to get into your uh, underdog portfolio. All right. Um, we'll go a little quicker now that we've yep. gotten through the exercise through these next guys. So I'm calling these out in order of their range of outcomes 
projection, not their underdog ADP. So they're not yep. going to go um, in that expected order. But I think it that that will actually draw some attention on this next player, Alvin Kamara, RB eight in the range of outcomes uh, for twenty twenty three. Take us through that and maybe remind us what the tool doesn't know. Right. So the tool does not have any context about changes within the team, uh, external factors. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if we would call it an external factor, but external to the player, right? Does not know about rookies being drafted, about players exiting or leaving the team, coaching staff changes. Those are not type of things that we're baking into this. It's completely based off of the historical data. So Alvin Kamara has an interesting distribution when you look at it, Curtis. And the reason is it almost kind of chunks into three sections. You do have a decent number of his matches going under 10 points. Uh, If I'm eyeballing it, it's actually somewhere around 14. But his largest distribution or the largest portion of his distribution is concentrated between uh, like 13 to 17 PPR. Mm. But we do see a little uptick once you get to around 22 points where he actually pulls in five players going beyond that. As a result of that, it's good enough to get him with a high-end projection in this exercise of nearly 22 points. The difference is, though, in comparison to somebody like Derrick Henry, his low is at 8.3. So he has a wide range of distributions. As a result of that, if you look at the historical distribution scores, though he does finish in the top 10, it is largely separated from the Saquon Barkley's, the Derrick Henry's of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the the reason to bring up Kamara here is that, you know, there's been a, a ton of steam building for Kendra Miller. Um, and then, you know, we also had uh, uh, Jamal Williams um, transplant from Detroit down to New Orleans. Yep. And with all the other changes, the changes in the offense, you know, presumably healthy Michael Thomas, um, you know, Derek Carr uh, being there, you know, everything it's, it's one of those uncertain backfields and like, Typically, Kamara, you know, he's an aging player that's aging out a little bit. He's got some legal troubles. But if you, you know, the, for the same reasons that you would want to target Kendra Miller, right? Because it's an uncertain backfield, it also makes Alvin Kamara an intriguing target because yeah. it's an uncertain backfield. And, you know, he is the entrenched veteran. And if the team ends up being pretty good in a winnable NFC, highly winnable NFC South, I mean, he could still end up getting, if he doesn't get suspended, he could still end up getting the lion's share of the work and they could ease Miller in over the course of this first contract. I don't think that's like super radical to suggest. So if you're selling yourself on the idea that Kendra Miller can be a a high performer for the Saints, you should leave yourself open to the idea that Alvin Kamara, who's been very good, uh, from a fantasy perspective throughout his career, even in some challenging situations could still be good um, this year. So obviously we're not advocating for taking him at RB eight, but if you get into these situations where, you know, you're, you're entering the, you know, the late single digit rounds uh, of your draft. And, you know, I mean, specifically uh, Alvin Kamara is going off the board in the early ninth round now. You know, if you find yourself sitting on, on only one or two running backs by that time, I mean, I would rather, you know, I think I would much rather take Alvin Kamara at RB31 um, than, you know, Zach Charbonnet or A.J. Dillon, the two running backs right uh, behind him. And I think I'd rather take him than James Cook and uh, Javante Williams, uh, who are just in front of him. Now, that could change over the course of the summer on Williams if we get better information around his health. You know, but right now that's, you know, I think his health uncertainty is a bigger gamble than Kamara's legal uncertainty. And James Cook, I mean, you know, he's not going to get those goal on touches again now that, you know, we've got big, you know, bruising Damian Harris in there with Josh Allen. So in a half PPR <laughs> setting, I would rather, you know, I'd rather take uh, Kamara there a half round later. So, you know, that's a useful exercise here. Um, unfortunately, we have to move on to another a uh, player who uh, finds himself in unfavorable media light, uh, somewhat deservingly so, 
a Joe Mixon RB10 in the tool versus RB17 ADP. Now we have called out Mixon several times already on the show in recent weeks as a value. Uh, and he has gained a little bit of ADP um, momentum. I think it, it was deserved correction, but yep. it looks like there's still some more room to run here, Dave. Yeah, there certainly is. And he has a more concentrated distribution uh, in comparison to what we saw for Camara. You will see the largest portion of it, actually around half of it, Curtis, sits right between 12 and 17 points, which I don't think is a major surprise for people out there. Does have a couple of players creeping past 20, uh, which allows him to land with a high of 20.7, a floor of 9.9, and a a midpoint uh, somewhere around like 14 to 14 and a half, whether or not you're looking at the average or, uh, you know, that conglomeration of players around the 50th percentile. Now, if we're thinking about Mixon uh, in light of what we mentioned earlier, and there has been some correction, you know, I still don't think when you're looking at a chart like I am looking at right now that there's been enough of a correction. You look through some of these matches, you see where Mixon is at at this point in his career. And while it feels like he's been around a long time and understandably, I think a lot of the players we've talked about feel like that. You can see that there's a number of players in his matches in the year N plus one at very similar points in their career that still came out and were able to continue doing what they had been doing. Uh, So, you know, it's another encouraging thing for Mixon and another reason that to me, he looks more like a player that should be going as an RB one than anything else. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at his uh, matches in uh, year N plus one, especially if you focus on the running backs like Mixon, who were, you know, just on good teams, like with good quarterbacks, lots of scoring opportunities. And and in particular, the ones that didn't have as much, you know, competition from the, from the other running backs on the squad. Now, I mean, since he keeps getting tied as, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott's suggestion as a place that he would like to go. And I keep seeing since he mentioned by, uh, maybe non-Cincinnati beats even as a, a potential spot for Dalvin Cook. Um, now I don't know, man. Like the stuff that I read directly from the coaching staff and since he is that they're comfortable uh, with Mixon, they understood that it would mean he might have a bigger role this year when they let Piron go, uh, or I guess didn't bring him back. It's probably more accurate. And I don't know. I mean, I when I see Josh Jacobs 2022 on here, you know, I'm kind of thinking – like that, that feels like an upside situation that could happen for Mixon. Like that he just consolidates all the work in in an offense that really moves the ball and scores a lot of touchdowns. I mean, I think that's highly reasonable. And I mean, Mixon just had a season uh, back in 2021 that wasn't too far off what Jacobs did in 2022. So, you know, he's already done it in a very similar offensive context. And, you know, Cincinnati's continued to, over the last two years, I mean, I think they've made some pretty decent improvements to their offensive line. I mean, if you go back and look at some of the other players in here, you get Mark Ingram, a Mark Ingram season uh, with the New Orleans Saints in the, in the middle of the Drew Brees era. We actually get, um, at a similar point in his career, we get a Melvin Gordon season uh, with 23 PPR per game, uh, at, you know, peak Melvin, basically. Uh, on on a late career Philip Rivers Chargers team, I mean, I, I think there's there's definitely the, a path there. And then in the middle of uh, you know these sims, we get Aaron Jones twenty twenty one. We get Aaron jo- Aaron Jones twenty twenty two. We get Ezekiel Elliott twenty twenty one, and uh, that I think that's the meat of it. On the low end, we do see. 2018 Carlos Hyde for Cleveland. I think that's just a, a really bad sim. It's a player yeah. who was on, you know, I think his third team uh, or maybe even fourth by that time in his career. Obviously, a way different caliber of roster around him. Um, uh, I think the the warning shot would maybe be if you looked at potential for injury because he's aging out, or potential for other players in the offense to to be more relevant, like Shady McCoy in Buffalo, 2018. Uh, 9.1 PPR uh, maybe would be a, a slight warning shot, but 
even going further down this list, Dave, I mean, it's just littered with players that scored basically 13 to 16 PPR. I think Mixon's probably a much safer pick uh, than people are making him out to be and just hasn't earned a lot of fans uh, because of his actions at times. But from a fantasy investment perspective, probably one of the better ones out there right now. Yeah, I mean, if you can separate yourself from everything else and you're looking at it just as the percentage of, you know, rosters that you have with the ADP he's at now, he really should easily be in one of your top three uh, most rostered running backs. There's no question about it. So two quick hitters on, uh, th- actually three quick hitters, maybe a minute on each player sure. of of uh, great values. And then I want to talk about some guys who are maybe being overdrafted a bit. So James Connor, RB15 in the tool, uh, RB27 in best ball ADP on uh, underdog right now. Sure. So uh, what you see with him is a low, actually, Curtis, of 9.1, an average somewhere around 13, and a high that actually gets up to 19.7 points. Now, I think we would agree that that feels like it might be a little rich. You do see more of his distribution um, sitting below 15 points than above it. But for me, one of the larger takeaways here is if you look at a bucket between 13 to 15 points, that is still the largest bucket for him. So though you might be at the point where you're expecting that you could maybe write off Connor as he's heading into his seventh year, uh, in the league, you are still going to get some production out of him uh, just based upon the players that he matches with. Hat does have some overlap with other guys that we mentioned previously on the show, but, uh, you know, not quite as good of a distribution as you would have seen from him two years ago, but still solid. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I think personally I'm more comfortable with James Conner at RB27 than I am with Isaiah Pacheco at RB25. Yep. Um, that's interesting. I, I think that's we, we might not have time to talk about that now, but yeah. I actually think that's a good conversation to break down at some point. Yeah, so I mean, I think you can you can make the argument that if you get if if you get you know locked out of that early seventh round run that's been occurring, uh, and an underdog, you know, from DeAndre Swift down through Alexander Madison, and feel like you whiffed not getting one of those guys. I mean, I would rather reach a half round early on on Connor than than take you know Pacheco. Uh, as a consolation prize. So when you look at, uh, I don't think there's even really any other players that I need to talk about in the N plus one, the case for Connor is, you know, you know, I I talk, you talk about 2022 Josh Jacobs and it's like, you know, it's kind of the same case for James Connor, you know, there uh, in Arizona, like just who else is going to really challenge him for it. And he actually was pretty fantasy, uh, efficient, you know, down the stretch last year, despite the team still having some of those, uh, you know, quarterback injury troubles, you know, the offense is going to look different. Um, I think he does have an opportunity. He, he definitely will have the opportunity to amass a really high touch share, be a workhorse. It's just going to, you know, how good can the offense be and how much receiving work will he get? We've seen him, you know, we've seen him make 
you know, lemonade out of lemons before in his career. So maybe he can do it again. Um, a little bit further down the list, Antonio Gibson, RB23 on the high end in our tool, RB38 in ADP. I really love this one. Gibson was my second highest drafted uh, running back in the big board competition before the NFL draft. And I've still been uh, getting some shares, but he has jumped up a couple of rounds over the, the past couple of months. Yeah, so he's one of these players that has a very wide distribution uh, when you look at where his points tend to fall and across that entire distribution is fairly flat, mostly concentrated somewhere between seven to 10 points per game. Uh, for him, though, you still do have a little bit of hope, Curtis, as he did have a couple of matches that went above 20 points. Uh, but we start to see a big difference when you're looking at a player like Gibson and those players that yeah. we've mentioned uh, as his HDS comes in around 40. So this is a, a player pretty far removed. But I think the point that you'd be looking at here is that there is some precedent for a player like Gibson actually far performing what his ADP might lead you to expect. Yeah, sure, man. Um, and it again, it's like it's the uncertain backfield thing. Um, and we also see a situation where not only is it an uncertain backfield, we're going to get a different opinion on who should get the touches in that uncertain backfield now with Eric Bieniemy running the show uh, and the changing of the guard uh, and the commander's offensive uh, war room there. So, you know, on the high end, you know, if we're going to th- at this point in the draft, you're looking, you're looking for those upside swings, right? I mean, you know, you find Austin Eckler's 2019 on this list. You find Leonard Fournette's 2021 on this list. Uh, you find Tony Pollard's 2022 on this list. I mean, there's some really pretty big standout performances from players who maybe weren't before those big seasons considered, you know, bona fide stars. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring up, you know, Dalvin Cook's 2019, you know, he was thought of differently at that time than Gibson is now. But I mean, you know, Pollard's 2022, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, the guys even went to the same college, uh, and, and, and were used in different roles. Um, and I mean, Gibson breaking out at this point in this, his career would be very similar actually to the way that Pollard's ascent has worked in, in, in Dallas. Uh, they, it, you know, he just hasn't been trapped behind Ezekiel Elliott and a stubborn owner. Uh, it's really just been more of an unstable offensive situation and a lack of, uh, you know, quarterback dependability and consistency that's held that offense back. So I, I, I like it, man. I still like it. I think, you know, Antonio Gibson, RB38 uh, right now. If I pull that up in our ADP draft grid, that is the middle of the 10th round. As I look at the players around them, you know, it's Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, Devin Achain, uh, around earlier, it's Zach Charbonnet. I mean, I would rather take Antonio Gibson than Zach Charbonnet, and it's a full round difference of, of ADP. I think I would also rather have him than AJ Dillon. Like AJ Dillon is just kind of like a belt and suspenders pick at this point in the draft. I think, um, because if Aaron Jones stays healthy, like AJ Dillon's not just going to usurp him, but Antonio Gibson could usurp healthy Brian Robinson. Yeah. That, you know? That's certainly so, possible. So it's just, yeah. So I, I have one yeah, follow up there yeah. though for you, not to, not to get us off track here. But so when you're thinking about Seattle's backfield this year, what type mm. of split do you think that we see? Well, I'm not drafting from for a split perspective. I'm drafting on do I think this guy could just overtake the backfield? Okay. Like, and I don't think that Zach Charbonnet is but like I don't think he's better than Kenneth Walker. Right, right. Like I don't either. If, if they so so but, but I do think Antonio Gibson I, I do think Antonio Gibson might be better than Brian Robinson. Uh, or at least might be viewed as better for the way the offense wants to run in Eric yeah. enemy's eyes. Right. Um, whereas we've already seen, you know, I mean, Kenneth Walker be productive uh, in Seattle and Seattle also kind of mismanage their draft picks um, when they, when they start to amass running backs like this in the past, it hasn't led to the, the new guy in town getting the touches very often. Sure. Final note um, on Antonio yeah. Gibson. I think your baseline expectation for him would be around like a 12% target share. 
but I don't think it's out of the range, you know, of outcomes here where you could see that jump up two to three percent, which then opens him up for more touchdowns, opens him up for more opportunities a game, which kind of would, in the conversation that we're having here, make him able to outplay that ADP in a fashion that you might not get from other players that are being drafted in a similar spot. Well, yeah, and I mean, you you've got to also recall. I mean, Bienemy only took this job because you know he he. You know, it's like an NFL player, you know, staying in college for the extra year because he graded poorly uh, by the NFL Combine Committee, right? Like, yeah. the has not been getting that head coaching job and is basically thought that, you know, well, if he can turn another offensive around that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, then, then he will deserve a head coaching job. Yeah. And you better believe he's going to put the ball in the hands of the dynamic playmaker. So I, I like especially at this point in the draft, you know, looking at those upsides for the players, uh, honorable mention, and we won't, we won't spend any time on it, but honorable mention who does find his way into the tool, uh, Pierre strong RB 41 actually has like a 15 PPR, uh, upside in, in the tool. And he's undrafted on, uh, underdog, you know, right now, obviously we, we think that Ramondre Stevenson is, uh, you know, pretty special and should hold down that role. But if you're looking for end of draft darts on a team that needs a sixth or seventh running back in that build, I think he's an interesting play. Yeah. So and, now, uh, sorry. I, I will just interject this too. You got to say something. He actually had, no, 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 no. This is purely just based off of what I was looking at. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a new England comment for us here, but his HDS is actually neutral. Um, which is pretty surprising for a player there because they can go negative and they go negative when you have more matches going under 10 points per game. So for a player going undrafted, that's a pretty, pretty big achievement. Yeah. Like guess. 10 carries for a hundred yards or something last year. Yeah. I've, I've looked at, I've looked at his, <laughs> I've looked at his stats so many times. Um, it's embarrassing. Um, okay. So a, a couple of players that, that the range of outcomes tool is, is maybe not as high on from a ceiling perspective, uh, especially when relating to the, you know, community sentiment by ADP on underdog right now, Nick Chubb, RB 12 versus an RB six ADP. Yeah. So if you take a look at Nick Chubb, um, he has a distribution fairly similar to the players that we talked about at the top of the show. The challenge for him is we just don't see a great deal of those players going beyond 20 points. Um, and if you look at, especially if you look at the full distribution, um, if you're just looking at the high, medium, and low, you might think it's a little bit better of a story than it is. HDS of 74, which is a little bit of a step down from guys like Kamara, Dalvin Cook, uh, even James Conner to some extent. So it does not love Nick Chubb that much. At the same time, though, if you were looking for positives, it does have him at a half of a touch per game, 14 rushing attempts. Perhaps you're expecting in the confines of that offense this year without Kareem Hunt, Jerome Ford yeah. looking like the next guy behind him, you think that we could see an uptick in that. So, you know, maybe there's a story you can tell yourself, but when you look at these historical matches, it's, you know, not not as nice as Nick Chubb enthusiasts might like. Yeah, uh, and I mean, Chubb's a player that, uh, has jumped up about a half a round or so over the past, you know, three to four weeks, I would say. I was taking a lot more of him uh, when he's available in the early third. I think those days are gone and not coming back. So, you know, if you've already got your Nick Chubb exposure, good for you. If not, you know, I think you, you want to lean into the idea that, you know, he is going to have like Derrick Henry-like usage. Um, and, you know, don't, don't cover him up you know, that kind of, I think, defeats the purpose of, you know, taking him there if you feel justified in the mid-second calling Chubb's name. Uh, we already talked about Tony Pollard. Uh, he's right behind Nick Chubb and underdog ADP at RB7, and he's also right behind Nick Chubb in the range of outcomes to RB13. Sure, and I think that Pollard here is a case of one of those where there's context that can inform the tool that's probably pretty vital. I think heading into this year, you're going to see him naturally having the largest workload that we've seen even with it he's got a pretty condensed uh overall distribution for a player 
at this point in his career that has had played, that's had, you know, a stretch. How do I want to say this? That's been impressive at points, but still couldn't not find an opportunity to really be the guy. Uh, so we see him averaging in around 13 PPR, a uh, low of 8.5, a high of 20. His historical distribution score, though, just one off of Nick Chubb. So again, mm-hmm. we have another case of a player that we could expect to see an increase in this workload. And in the prior years informing this did not get nearly the share that he should have. So overall, I would say it's actually a pretty encouraging projection for Pollard. I was expecting to see him finish lower uh, when I went to view the results after everything was put together. So I, I feel, I feel like it's a pretty optimistic picture for him. Are you, are you taking Pollard at ADP right now? Uh, I am not though. I will say, okay. but, but some of that yeah. is I find myself in the drafts where I could take him, uh, it's kind of like I started Travis Kelsey. And on those teams, I don't know if I want to go Travis. <laughs> right. So it's like, do I want to go? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't feel like the player that I want to fill in there, if that makes yeah. sense. I, I tend to take yeah. those teams a different direction. So it's not all just him at that ADP. It's kind of everything else that's around there. Fair enough. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of teams that are uh Tyreek and Pollard or Cooper Cup and Pollard. Uh you can do that if you right. if you go that direction instead of Kelsey. Yep. Um okay. So here's one. I, I told you that I do think Antonio Gibson might be better than Brian Robinson. I also think Tank Bixby might be better than Travis Etienne. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, that is that's ridiculous, dude. That that, that is absolutely Look ridiculous. Look how mad I made you. No, Look how this, mad I made you. Uh, I don't think Tank Bigsby is is better than than Travis Etienne, okay. but I I do know that Travis Etienne um, has a lot of room to improve um, in some very important key elements of his game. And the Jags uh, front office told us that they don't believe in in Etienne as a true bona fide bell cow. Uh, and, and taking a guy like Bigsby, who has, I mean, he has a really nice, like, well-rounded skill set, and he was a highly, you know, efficient player uh, in college. So, um, Travis Etienne, RB twenty-five in our tool, RB twelve in ADP. All right, sorry, I, I was just zoning out there, just making the case of all of the unfortunate things that have conspired against Travis Etienne to this point. <laughs> it's funny because yeah, if the you go back and, and being injured, and yeah, yeah, yeah it's, Urban it's, Meyer, I think just even Urban Meyer being involved in that organization was a thing that that has uh, set him mm-hmm. back a little bit. I'm not going to go back and start listing off all of the key things in the profile. <laughs> uh, all right, anyway, Etn. Uh, not the greatest distribution. Now, of course, this really yeah. only has last year to look at. Uh, he's another one of these players where we see a couple of different buckets as you're looking through it visually. You see a pretty large concentration of players finishing around seven points, but almost as many players for him finishing around 15 with a little bit of a valley in between. This gives him an average of around 11 points, a high of 17.8, and a low of 6.5. Overall for him, this paints the picture of a player that's more of a lower-end RB2 um, than a player that's being drafted, I think, in drafts right now. What did you say his... uh, Did you say his positional ADP? RB12. He's he's going RB12. Yep. he is kind of, he's in a, uh, after a tier break though, you know, right. so he's going at the end of the third round um, after Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall, but he's not really in a tier with those guys. He's separated by half round where he's really in a tier is with uh, Najee Harris and Jameer Gibbs. Right. And I think that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, can I float you this question though? And I'm pretty sure yeah. I know what the answer is out of Harris Gibbs and etn how much higher do you have gibbs than the rest of them i'm assuming that you have gibbs higher than them i could be wrong in that though uh well i mean i do i would i would order them um i would order them gibbs for, on underdog i would order them gibbs um naji etn so 
basically just flipping ETN and Gibbs, keeping Najee where he's at in that three okay. running back tier. But I will say post NFL draft, I have almost none of any of these players. Almost always taking like Debo, Amari Cooper, um, or DeAndre Hopkins there at that turn. It just seems like what's happening when I'm drafting in that range. Um, if I was in a spot where I was going to take a running back there, uh, I would go Gibbs, Harris, uh, ETN. Got it. And I think that makes, um, I, you know, I, I can't argue with that. I think for me, I'm just kind of more rearranging those guys around with a little bit of a preference to Gibbs mm-hmm. because I do think that you see the highest, in my mind, there's more upside for him than the other guys. ETN is kind of, um, I have been able to hit some teams where it's like, ETN, Trevor Lawrence, Evan Ingram. Um, yeah, it's actually like fairly easy to do. So I've been, I've been doing that. Um, cause like by taking ETN first, I mean, you still have flexibility to not go after Lawrence, but, uh, you can just take Lawrence at the end of round five instead of round six. Yeah. Um, it works out by ADP. So yeah, it's really more of like, if I do a Jag stack, I'll take ETN, but I'm not like targeting him in vacuums. The other um, final thing. Yeah unrelated to the conversation but i was just going to say in my experience with the drafts on the underdog this year too you get into this kind of squirrely situation where you're almost forced to think about exactly how you're going to build out that team early because the first eight or nine quarterbacks are all coming off the board much earlier than they have in years past yeah for sure that's yeah we need we need to do some live draft shows soon because you, you are getting the first the first nine quarterbacks or first uh, eight quarterbacks rather off the board by the middle of round six. You're absolutely right. Right. Um, uh, Okay. So a couple other players that we want to hit JK Dobbins, RB 40 in the range of outcomes versus RB 18 and ADP. (laughs) Yeah. So Dobbins, if you look at where the overwhelming majority of his distribution lies, Curtis, it is below Eight points. Uh, it puts him with, <laughs> yes. And even with a couple of guys that far exceeded that, of course, only getting up to the 15 range, even with some some of those players, still only hits that average of 8.4 points, gets to a high of 15.2, a low of 5.1, is actually negative in terms of HDS. It just really hates him this year. Uh, you do not feel good too if you look at types of guys that were matching players. You see guys like Thomas Rawl, Thomas Rawls, Rob Kelly, Bobby Rainey, Terrence West, Mike Gillisley, <laughs> Trey Mason. I mean, Ramondre yeah. Stevenson's 2022 is one of the best comps that you're going to see in here. You get James Starks, yeah. Yeah. Zach Moss, guys like that. Personally, I think what what we're seeing here, and it becomes an interesting conversation, is a player that has not been able to demonstrate what he's fully capable of. Of course, then you have to get into the discussion of, all right, well, if this is where we are, is that just who he is now? Do we have to write off what we thought we knew about J.K. Dobbins and those flashes that we saw? I'm still inclined to say that this is too low, given the information that the tool has and the external factors that I know have gone into the stats that he's been able to produce. Yeah, it's... uh he's just priced way closer to his ceiling than some of the other players that, that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the tier he's going in is kind of fair because if you, if you assume that the, the Ravens are going to be, you know, like pretty good team, but there's also going to be some siphoning away of the, the rushing attack, you know, by the quarterback, you know, I think JK Dobbins being in, in the, in the range with Joe Mixon and Kenneth Walker, uh, and Aaron Jones kind of makes sense. Miles Sanders, all those guys going in the fifth round. Um, I don't think any of them have the upside that that Joe Mixon has. Right, uh, he would be the one that I would bump up around. Uh, perhaps even you know move him all the way up into the into the third with ETN. I think would be totally fair. Um, but Dobbins, when you start looking below it and you start thinking about, okay, well, Dave, you just told me like RB forty. He's got all these low end things, and there is uncertainty in the offense. It's like, I don't know. It wouldn't be like, I don't think it would be that surprising to me that like Alvin Kamara outscores JK, JK Dobbins this year. Oh, not at or, all. Not or at like all. David or like David Montgomery, even with Gibbs. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, we just saw what Jam- Jamal did down there or James Connor, like a, James right. Connor outscoring Jake. 
all those guys are all going three, four rounds lower than him. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a total fade on JK Dobbins. I do have, I'll probably be, you know, at exposure on him. Um, just in case we hit that scenario where, you know, the threat of Lamar really not running much anymore does come to fruition and the Ravens are good. You know, I think there are some scenarios where, you know, Dobbin can kind of be an elite touchdown scorer, but you know, he's going to have to thread the needle a little bit on some of that stuff. So I don't know. He's, he's probably, he's probably only more attractive than Miles Sanders amongst running backs that are being drafted in, in round five right now. And so I think the tool provides some, even though it doesn't have all the information about Baltimore, I think it's casting the appropriate appropriate questionable light on Dobbins' uh, 2023 right. prospect. The, yeah, and the other thing to remember, too, is when you are pulling in 50 matching players, there's other players that had certain context shift for them between yeah. those years, and it is somewhat sobering when you see that you know there were so few of them that were actually able to put together a really solid upcoming year. Uh, Man, so maybe, only, two player, only two players above 15 PPR, like two. Right. That's it. Uh, right. David Montgomery's 2020 and Nick Chubb's 2019. That's it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's it's sobering. When we're sure. talking about the upside, right? That that yep. was the theme of this up episode. Yep. The upside is, is where we're, we're finding a challenge here uh, with Dobbins. So yep. Dave, Dave, I mean, we hit a bunch of backs. I, I, you know, you could really get lost in the range of outcomes tool. It really is uh, fascinating to look at the distributions uh, the year over year changes, some of the matching players, um, and, and going, you know, flipping between PPR and half PPR, uh, for your settings and, and getting a different distribution is a highly, uh, you know, highly just practical way to go through some of your rankings and, and make sure that you're, you're targeting the right types of players, whether you're drafting on underdog or drafting at FFPC, uh, or even doing some dynasty startups and you find yourself in a win now build. Okay, well, if you're in a win now build, you know, let's let's make sure that you actually do win now and, and you didn't waste this uh, strategic opportunity. So, uh, Dave, I mean, the, you know, on behalf of the team, you know, we appreciate uh, your work and the other uh, guys that are are helping out with the range of outcomes tool. Highly useful. Won't be the last time we talk about it. So we're going to have to get to the wide receivers and the tight ends in upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>